Hi, welcome back to Six Fifths. I'm Sam. I'm Everett. And what we decided to do for the next series of episodes, uh, we haven't quite figured out how long it'll be yet, but we want to tackle the issue of how do you feel as a person of color at MIT? And this is spurred on by, I was thinking about last week, about this thing that a lot of people say that... Asian women are no longer an underrepresented minority at MIC. Well, who says that? I, that's not something I hear um, from people that often. This is something that I've heard multiple people say. Um, this is also something that several Asian women I've talked to about it. Really? Yeah. And I think someone might have said it, but I couldn't find an actual citation yeah, for it. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think I agree because, like, there's definitely that sense, right? I yeah. Think that, like, nobody really considers... Asian people to be a minority in the context of MIT, at least. Yeah, or so, college in general. Yeah, MIT has an Office of Minority Education, and it's very <laughs> apparent that they cater mostly towards Blacks, Hispanics, Native Americans, those types of underrepresented minorities, and they even, in various postings that they have of events, they name those groups specifically and leave out Asians. Right. And the the thing is, is that it's very interesting because uh, the amount of privilege, so to speak, that you have um, is often quite moderated by the fa- by what kind of Asian you are. There are many different kinds of Asian. Yeah. Like, when you think of an Asian person, you tend to think of, like, East Asian, right? Right. But um, where I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, my school had a, high, had a high presence of people who were Filipino. Right, right. From the Philippines, mm-hmm. and they are also Asian, of course. Right, and many of them had no family that had ever gone to college. Um, they were like way out there immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't really have anything in the way of like money yeah. or um, or ambition to go to school and make a whole lot of money either. I remember talking to somebody when I was like a senior or so, and you know he told me it really sucks that people expect me to be really smart because I'm Asian and Mm -hmm. I don't care. Right. I just do not really care that much about school. I want to go do this thing, which escapes me because I didn't really care. Yeah. And (laughs) um, it sucks that people just expect me to go to college and stuff like that. Like, my parents expect that of me and it's stupid. Yeah. And Asians sit in this weird um, niche of stereotypes that are oddly positive by a lot of people's standards and but that's not necessarily true and they face all of their own issues because of this and we're actually going to dedicate the entire next episode to talking about um, some of that stuff and we'll bring yes. someone else in who's actually Asian because neither of us are Asian um, we are actually <laughs> both black we'll talk about that in a bit yeah and so 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 yeah we're gonna get we're gonna get into the meat of that but the statement that I mentioned before the reason I want to do this is because that really bothers me. It just does that you can that you're essentially saying that these people are no longer afforded these supports that you do give to underrepresented minorities, which is almost akin to saying that they have the same type of voice and presence that white people do, that the majority does. And that's definitely untrue. Right. And uh Speaking of, you know, white people, that's the thing we can get to later, yeah. right? Because uh, I have to say, maybe I feel a little ill at ease uh, just making this a, a whole, like, showboating thing about, like, you know, what's it like to be a person of color, right? i.e. not white, Yeah, <laughs> um, is generally what that is, that is understood to mean. And I do wonder sometimes, 
um, what is it like to be a white person at MIT when like race does come up? Right. I have to feel like for like most white people, maybe it just doesn't come up unless they're in a defensive situation. Mm-hmm. But I, I still think maybe it would be good for us to have that kind of perspective to to hear it here and maybe talk about it some. But that's neither here nor there. Right. Um, so today we're going to talk about us and yes. what our experiences are here. Um, like Everett said, we're both black, um, but we come from different backgrounds. And so yes. we'll talk about how that fits in everything. Uh, so why don't you start first, sure. Everett? Um, I don't really have anywhere to start because, you know, I'm just a black guy. There's not really... So I was always, you know, like pretty smart. I think most people at MIT... Uh, have a similar kind of experience so I mean school was never really a problem for me I always liked school which is like very weird for a black person like I grew up uh, in Jacksonville Florida um, on the north side of the city uh, if you've ever been there it's the poorer black people's side of the city um, I so I, I especially when I was younger I was pretty much surrounded by black people all the time um, and I was very very different from most of the people that I knew when I was younger. It was it was very strange because I liked school. I did well in school. And most of the um, children that I knew couldn't care less about school, like, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was evident even when, you know, I was younger. They wouldn't do their homework, and, you know, I would say, like, well, the homework was easy. You know, it took, like, 30 minutes. I don't know why you didn't do it. You know, I would do it on the bus. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think it was it was literally just things like, you know, writing things in alphabetical order and writing the words five times and stuff like that. that. It was was repetition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's not stuff that's hard, I think. But I I think it comes up to... um, I had positive experiences in school. um, And I had a few negative experiences. And those actually were really terrible for me. Um, And by the time I was in, like, middle school, I kind of hated school because of that. But Mm -hmm. the the thing I noticed like looking back on it is that you don't really get a lot of push behind you at all oh like, you don't your parents don't care your friends don't care um the only one who cares is you and i never really cared i realized um i was just really smart so it's easy mm-hmm. um and when i got older there was a period of time where i did really terribly in school for about a year or two because i didn't really care school became hard and some other stuff that maybe we'll talk about later. <laughs> but um, I am curious, how, how did education, you know, sort of, like, work for you? So <laughs> like, what happened to me is that my parents, my parents both went to Stanford. They had, <laughs> haha, yeah. Wait, well, well, what was that like for your parents, though? Because I have to wonder, like. You know, they told me a lot of differing accounts about what happened. What I what what I do know for sure is that um, my dad grew up in Flagstaff, um, Arizona, small town, and you knew everyone around you. He also came from a big family. A lot of the people that he knows from childhood are also African Americans, and so he grew up in Stan, that. I think it's fun to say black people. It is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'll just. I'll just clarify because there's a different that we'll probably touch on later. There's a difference between being African and being African American in terms yeah, of being black, and a lot of different. people will lump them into one category. So for the sake of that, I wanted to just clarify that I my mean, dad is African. People people disagree on like what you use yeah. to refer. Like some people just say that black is like you know if you're African, you're not really black, like, right. <laughs> or something like that. Is 
it's a very confused series of things. And we we're not, we're not even going to get into all of the stuff that happened in the civil rights movement, what drop theory, blah, uh, blah, blah. That stuff, I mean, that stuff's that, actually pretty that, terrible. That argument and stuff still happens now. It's it does. really quite... Yeah. Anyway, go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back to the story. Um, so he grew up around all black people. He went to Stanford. He graduated in 1987. So... Mm. Going to going to a school in early eighties, like and growing up, going to elementary school and high school in the seventies, you're not yeah. going to you're you're gonna feel a little out of place going yeah. to a place go, mo- moving from a place that was predominantly back really small. He knew everybody from the time he was like five, and they all stayed there. To going to a place where it is mostly white people, he had a really tough time adjusting, mm-hmm. and um, that's that's why he graduated nineteen eighty seven and not nineteen eighty six. My mom graduated nineteen eighty six. But they oh, started at the so same they time. The same year. Yeah, they started the same year. But he uh, took an extra semester partially because he was having a tough time adjust when he first showed up there because of this because of this kind of stuff. And how did your parents pay for that? How their parents pay for that? So my dad got a football scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stereotypes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. My my dad got a football scholarship, and my mom. My mom's parents paid for it because my grandfather made a lot of money being a serial mm. entrepreneur. He I had see. a check cashing business. He he opened up the first check cashing business in the neighborhood. He made lots of money. He had he had different businesses and stuff. And there's wow. a there's a story there about how he got shafted in the end. Um, but he he my mom was pretty well off living in L.A. when she was when she was um, growing up. Um, mm. So she has. A different perspective she has a very different perspective on this kind of stuff than my dad does mm. and it's actually it's actually interesting how i turned out um because because of that and i feel like they are major parts of that influence um but anyway back to the original point of the question which was um how education yeah how was educate how is education for me so partially because of these differences i just mentioned between my parents growing up I grew up in mostly white neighborhoods. Like I, my dad would often bring over a lot of black people because he would inter- still like to interact with mostly other black people. And I did not grow up seeing a lot of people other than like my dad's friends who were black. I see. And, and, of, and of course my own family. Right. 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 Yeah. So um, my best friends when I was smaller are all white, and I went. I moved from California to Arizona, and still always, literally always, the token black guy. Mm-hmm. And there were other black people in my classes often, mm-hmm. but there were like, yeah, there were like three black women um, in the um, in the in th- through high school because when you're oh, in, like in the honors like yeah. tier of classes, yeah. you tend to class with the same people right. over and over again. Yeah, only black man. So wow. at, even in marching band, like hundred hundred piece marching band, there was like one other black dude one year. Wow. Yeah. So this is that that that's that was just me. That was how it was, and for the longest time, because of that, I really didn't like it. Like it in the sense of I didn't really want to identify with being black. I thought that I may as well have been white because that would have made me fit in better and it was it was just weird to feel like that at school 
come home and my parents were pretty much the only people that did push me to do well academically make sure I got all my stuff done and that I was doing other things on the sitting around uh, but at school there was zero support for that I think most people were just kind of confused that this guy who looks like me does so well in class and people other other people like whites Asians um, would get more recognition for doing well on things that I did mm-hmm. and that that was a consistent thing throughout high school huh weird yeah I mean I uh I actually was pretty big standout throughout especially high school mm-hmm. um I remember because I got deferred from MIT mm-hmm. and this is like a statistic that I'm I vaguely remember this number but it is about this unimpressively low um if you get deferred from MIT I think your chance of admission drops by about fifty percent. Yeah, something something like that. So Mm -hmm. something like two to three percent. Yeah, people will get deferred. And I remember talking to my teachers about it, and a couple of them were like, "Yeah, well, they just do this to everybody. You're fine." (laughs) And I was kind of like, "What? (laughs) what, That's that's not amount of confidence to have in somebody, right?" And um, that was generally how it was: was that people really had no problem like acknowledging me as smart. And I think part of the thing is that, like, I, I guess I kind of fit the nerd persona a lot more than I do scary black man. Um, I am very short. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that it's kind of hard for people to find me physically intimidating. Maybe yeah. that helped. Um, people find was... me physically intimidating until I open up my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was always uh, also, like, a very spacey um, and kind of, like, obviously nerdy person. So it... It probably never really occurred to people to take me like as like somebody who's physically threatening, um, but I. So this is funny. I grew up. My parents were actually like re- decently well off um, when I was much younger. But when I was about eight or nine, my parents made some mistakes to the tune of going to jail. One mm. of them got fired and cannot get a job um, because of the circumstances. And now we made, you know, like somewhere around half the money that we did before. It mu- became much less comfortable. Um, we were on track to own a house, and that will never happen now. Um, mm-hmm. So I, like, went from being, you know, like pretty well off, and my family was actually doing better. They were uh, getting pay raises and stuff pretty regularly to sort of being, I wouldn't say poor. Um, this was definitely my impression when I was younger. I felt like we were poor. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because I had grown up, right, with uh, a much, much better money, I guess. Right. But I grew up definitely, like, lower working class mm-hmm. kind of deal. Um, house is a pipe dream, got debts, never, probably never pay off. Mm-hmm. Um, that you're just going to pay off on forever. Things break, you fix them for really cheap because you can't afford to fix them for better. Mm-hmm. And they break again. <laughs> Right. You do the same thing and end up wasting a whole bunch of money because you never have enough money at right. once yeah. to get things fixed. That that kind of thing. This kind of thing is the type of thing that causes tension on my dad's side of the family mm. because he does make a lot of money. Oh, and for yeah. the for a while, um, a couple of my uncles are doing a lot better than they used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a while, this was a point of contention between him and his between him and his siblings. They didn't really talk about it that much. But the issue would come up when my when his mom um, would ask him to pay for things for her because their other siblings couldn't do it, mm. and that caused 
some issues because especially I think some drama happened right after my dad got a job after a year of being a couple years of actually of being unemployed and only taking temp jobs so oh, this is kind of this is obviously very stressful for him oh, what's your dad's degree in his, his degree is in industrial engineering Ooh, yeah um so now in the family now he does now he does uh, management <clears throat> consulting type stuff of course <laughs> uh, yeah but he 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 used to work in semiconductors i see yeah doing like process management for them stuff like that yeah just a few years too late for a nobel prize <laughs> oh well yeah um but yeah so um i was kind of like a lower income bracket i still am now i get shafted fairly regularly for this uh maybe this is a thing we could talk about later sort of like finances but um, it was it. There was a really strange like dichotomy by the time I was in like middle school or high school or so, um, and it was becoming apparent to people that I was like pretty fucking smart. Like mm-hmm. I think like the general story I hear is that like uh, family was pretty aware that I was like smart, mm-hmm. right? Like, but not as smart. <laughs> like as it became, a, they became sort of aware when mm-hmm. they got older. Um, so it. It definitely was like a thing um, that I started being around more and more. So the cool thing was that Jacksonville, as a fairly large city surrounded by a lot of suburbs, is actually decently like racially balanced in most parts of the city, mm-hmm. especially when you're going to school. So yeah. I was actually around a decent uh, like mix of like backgrounds, mm-hmm. except black people. <laughs> yeah. There were like no black people, uh-huh. so it was it was very interesting because like everywhere I went to school. Um, had like you know a big presence of black people. There were a lot of black people, yeah, yeah. but they wouldn't be taking any classes with me. Yeah, and people would talk about these people, right? Uh-huh. Who were taking classes with us, um, because so I did the international baccalaureate, but it was like a very similar like experience to like being in honors or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, so so in my school there was actually only like the AP the honors AP people yeah. and IB. There were like normal people who. Because everybody had to take nine AP classes yeah, yeah. and pass nine AP tests to graduate. Oh, uh, it was mm-hmm. like a high number. Yeah, yeah. Um, I realized, and but um, whenever you know people would talk about, say they were taking an AP class that wasn't part of the IB curriculum, and mm-hmm. they're with like the other people, they would talk about how stupid they were, mm-hmm. right? And I could, I don't know. And it's this is like part of the thing that sucks about being like a minority and having like these things directed at you on occasion in a very oblique ways when people talk about urban people who don't value work yeah like everybody knows yeah. they're really talking about black people so when people right. would talk about how stupid like the honors people were which by itself is like a pretty shitty thing to say by the way yeah um i would always get the sort of feeling that there was like some sort of racial component to it you Oddly, know? i never felt that I, I, people in my classes with me, honors AP classes, our school didn't have IB. Um, we, uh, def- people who took the regular serious classes did often comment on how unintelligent those people were. I never felt like it was a race thing because at a base level, my school was actually pretty diverse. Um, if not only because, it was probably still like 60%, 60-70% white, um, but there was a decent population of Hispanics because mm-hmm. Arizona and <laughs> and um, but and Asian and Asians, but black people were still definitely a minority. A lot of those black people also clustered together and all hung out. They did sports and stuff. Yeah. I just yeah. I just wasn't a part of that. Yeah, I yeah. mean I can imagine. Yeah. Um like 
and that's why I said like it sucks, right? Because like probably some of it may have something to do with that, depending on like a few people or whatever, mm-hmm. right? But um, no doubt, right? Like it probably would still be the case, even if like those people were like all white, maybe not expressed to the extent that like people often expressed it, right? right? But um, so so it's kind of weird because you have this sort of sense of like you know. Uh, a lack of confidence about how you feel about a lot of things mm-hmm. because you suspect right uh that like okay this is probably kind of racially motivated but what are you going to do if you say that to somebody people will of course get defensive mm-hmm. and they will say no you are wrong i wasn't thinking about that at all as if that has anything to do with whether it's racially motivated or not and um i had that experience with somebody that i was talking to a couple months ago right yeah it and was not fun at all that conversation was terrible yeah. Yeah. So it it um you can definitely feel like just not confident about like being uncomfortable in certain situations and you just you avoid situations that like make you feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. rather than like speaking up about them, which uh I think can bring us to a point um that I think is like pretty interesting about MIT. Um so there's a sort of uh, sort of self segregation that happens, at least with black people in MIT. I think. Yeah, I think there um, is. That's fair to say. So, so it's interesting because there's a there's there's a floor of a dorm. It's like it's part of the dorm that has a bunch of cultural houses in it, and this counts as a cultural house. It's like three floors. Yeah. And it's called Chocolate, Chocolate City. City. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, I have to admit that I laughed really hard. And it, yes, it is exactly what it sounds like. Yes. Yes. And there is a floor below it that has sort of been colonized by Chocolate City, and they call it the Caramel Suburbs. Mm-hmm. And I also laughed really hard when I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for clarification, it's black guys, just in case you didn't get that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Caramel Suburbs is uh, mixed um, sure yeah. I mean, there are white people in both areas. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, like they're not allowed, right, to kick people out because they're they're not black. Um, mm-hmm. But there are very few people, I think, in either of those places that are not um, black. So black or like half black. Yeah. I mean, half black is still black. Let me tell you. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so so this is interesting because I also had that kind of division too because I'm you know my mother is white mm-hmm. but my father is black. Um, so half of my family is white, and, but I've always been a black guy. Yeah, treated as such by pretty much everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels, you know, kind of like I'm faking it if I ever were to say that I were to identify as white, um, because I don't think people would believe me <laughs> if I said if I said as such. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't think so. Yeah. Um, so it. It's kind of interesting because, like, this, that's a part of, you know, who I am, I suppose, is sort of off-limits. I can't really, like, realistically identify with that, mm-hmm. believe me. Um, but, yeah, like, so self-segregation at MIT. Um, I think it is most noticeable with, with black people. Is it most noticeable with black people? Is there another group of people? I think it's the most noticeable with black people be- just because... I I went through all of undergrad here, the Everett's still in undergrad, but most of my time I spent during undergrad, I there are there are a few black people in our in our fraternity. Um mm-hmm. there are a couple other fraternities that have higher populations of black people. Um but there 
I didn't meet a ton of black people that weren't involved in one of those in one of those bigger groups like like Chocolate City, like the Black Student Union, like that. I just uh, most black people I met were were involved in one of those things or lived in a place that was that had a high black population. I didn't really meet a lot of French people like me. And I, I've been living on that fringe forever, so it's not odd <laughs> to me. But I do I understand why they would want to go to a place that is comfortable, like that is comfortable for them, like that. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I was talking about that earlier, right? Because, like, mm-hmm. again, you know, it, sometimes you just like don't really feel like arguing with people about like certain things, right? And it's hard to tell like which arguments. Um, which arguments are sort of, like, based in some sort of prejudice or ignorance and which arguments, you know, have some teeth behind them when right. people will argue with you about stuff. Mm-hmm. And eventually you sort of just get tired. So there's, like, definitely a real incentive to sort of, like, hang around with people who are the same as you. Um, I can't really say that, like, that's, like, a bad thing. I think to yeah. some extent everybody does it. Um, but, and and I can't, especially because, like, again, in our fraternity there's a few black people, mm-hmm. but most people aren't. Right. Um, and I've had some really awkward conversations with people about certain things that have happened. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, and I mean, yeah, I, I feel at times like occasionally I am dismissed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's usually kind of OK, at least like explicitly. I don't feel like people invalidate my my stance on things sometimes because I come on strong <laughs> um, to avoid that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I've had awkward conversations with people about pretty much anything having to do with black people <laughs> like the ferguson thing yeah um the ghetto right kanye right. west <laughs> yeah like that kind yeah. of thing uh-huh. rap that and and it's sort of it's sort of a relief whenever you find somebody at mit who is black and and you know they they sort of have they almost always have their thing right that is mm-hmm. like black that they do or that they keep about themselves and often they don't talk about it with a lot of other people right um because you know people maybe wouldn't understand and you know this is probably the same with like uh being asian or hispanic or anything else yeah um it's just that like except for the hispanic thing which is another interesting perspective we might want to get at some point Mm -hmm. um i think especially for asians and white people there's like enough of them around i think that like you don't get that feeling of like at least here yeah at least here Mm -hmm. um so a question is like um a good question is so the idea of the safe space is like very so so this kind of uh thing where you surround yourself with people who are supportive of you mm-hmm. right because you don't want to deal with other people's bullshit right and i i think everybody feels like that yeah you know at times i mean obviously you do want a support group that is not going to constantly shit on you yeah, <laughs> yeah. so so like this i this is sort of like the idea of the safe space right? yeah um, sort of sort of an idea that proliferates in social justice. Mm-hmm. But it's important to think about sort of like the downsides of sort of surrounding yourself with a safe space that you can't easily get out of. Yeah, and I think the key part of that is not easily get out of. Yeah, because it's definitely... You definitely do gain a lot from talking to other people, getting, like, outside people into that, into the space where you're at. It might be a little uncomfortable um, at first, but I feel like... A lot of the reason, a lot of the reason that I grew was not because of talking to a bunch of black people all the time. It was by talking to all these other like gamuts of 
any sort of race any sort of race that you were and i wouldn't have gotten that if i had just hung around a bunch of people that were all you know like all all black all like my dad kind of thing yeah i mean the way i think about it is that if you are in a safe space mm-hmm. um it can easily turn into a sort of echo chamber and become very yeah. uh very extreme right this right. is like a standard thing in psychology right yeah that's true um sort of polarization or whatever the hell mm-hmm. you call it and i i i really wouldn't want that to happen to me i don't know right? oh yeah i agree with that because yeah. i you know i want to be fair to people and so on and and look i know plenty of racist black people this oh is a thing? yes oh yes yeah like not not joking whatsoever yeah stan could you enlighten us with an example just one <laughs> of racist black people yes just because i i think it's important to talk about concrete examples of this kind of thing because it's just not something that people are willing to talk about very often right because uh-huh. i mean i think people often feel like if you mention that they're racist black people yeah right like people who other people who are racist mm-hmm. right and of course probably i'm talking about white racists like that's not fair but like that's probably right. what people will think yeah um we'll take that and be like ha you know like they're against us it's a battle <laughs> like, yeah this happens all this happens a lot um with people that come into my house at home they mm. will people will people will sometimes say things kind of like oh well like with not not jokingly but like oh that's a white person that's a white person thing like we're not even going to tolerate that because they they don't understand us they don't understand how this works how can somebody even talk like that and it's just shutting it's shutting down the conversation it's not even having it's not even having one at that point right yeah and and i think that like the way that we i think the way that we have to look at this is mm-hmm. uh, We all do things that are kind of dumb and, oh, yeah. like, you know, jerk things on occasion. I think that this mm-hmm. is no different. Sometimes we are frustrated at having to deal with other people's shit. Sometimes we carry over grudges, and so we say things to people, you know, that dismiss them and things like that or whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, sometimes we do that. Like, we can't really eradicate that, right? Mm-hmm. And in, in the same... On, in the same vein, you can't really get rid of that entirely. You're gonna have to deal with some bullshit, right? <laughs> like no matter who you are, mm-hmm. or or um, where you come from, I, I don't think that the richest person in the world could pay people to to 100 percent always be nice to him. I don't yeah. think that's possible. Yeah, that would um, be hard. There's there's shit you need to deal with, mm-hmm. and so I think that like trying to surround yourself in you know uh, with people who are supportive of you and just you know endlessly like you know. I don't want to say parrot, but they're like much, much willing to be, much more willing to be much softer on you, less likely to criticize you, or like they come from a position, right, that like to some degree agrees with you, right? Because again, groups polarize, your opinions sort of drift together over time. Yeah. If you hang out with people a lot. I think that that can be like deleterious if you spend too much time with that. Yeah. Yeah. Granted, um, another point we have is that. At least in my experience at MIT, also, there are definitely some groups that are going to be more inclusive to you as as a black person, as a minority person, to accepting those different types of views. And then there are also groups who are going to be dramatically less ex- less inclusive. It's almost like, at times, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of middle ground in some, mm-hmm. in some ways. Um, I've had experiences on both sides of the spectrum, and there was... 
it's it's really really annoying to wake up for a nine o'clock meeting go to this meeting have a conversation with someone afterwards and have them say the phrase to you i, I don't even remember how i got on this topic but have them say the phrase to you that well a couple couple phrases one that putting that they having to racially balance teams that you're working in is annoying and not necessary and also that to say that oh my group is diverse i have two diverse people on it <laughs> like please like please never say that to anyone i said that to her and she was like why it's like i have two <laughs> diverse people you know they're not normal <laughs> <laughs> like i i i legitimately don't get that i mean it, it's it's i think that's an ignorance thing right yeah like it's just very naive thinking about things right mm-hmm. like the sort of idea is like you know i'm normal you know and you're you're diverse you're different but that's not bad but you're different right it's like it's like Pussy versus Ferguson. It's like, like what do you, what do you well, want? Okay. Let's not go there. Um, I agree, yeah. but let's not get too political yeah. here. Um, uh-huh. Because I I think that I think that it's important to be understanding to people mm-hmm. about these kinds of things. Because I think, especially like MIT, I think that people generally aren't going to be like, well, you know, fuck niggers. <laughs> like you know, like I I think that like your people are going to be willing to listen to a certain degree. But you have to sort of manage that defensiveness. Mm-hmm. Right? I think like everybody has like some sort of racial hangup. White people have it too. Oh yeah. Right? yeah. Like you know, there's a sort of word you can throw at like you know a, a racial group, right? That yeah. Immediately like invokes a lot of negative history. Yeah. Makes them feel off balance because of you know just the sort of heritage that they have, mm-hmm. right? Like you know, for black people, you know, it's things like nigger, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know for Asians, things like chink. And yeah. just like invocations of Ching Chong Ting Long, that right. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And for white people, the word is racist. <laughs> like, yeah. It really is, right? Uh-huh. Because um, I can imagine that it's very disarming to be called that because what do you say? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, the sort of ideas of like, you don't understand us, you don't, you know, you're like super privileged and you just don't, like, there's no way you could ever understand that kind of right. thing. Right. And I think that, like, it's definitely. If you want to tell, if you want to like, you know, talk to people on balance about this, right? Right. You can't let on, like, well, you shouldn't think this in the first place. That like, they're not able to understand I right. mean, why are you talking to them, like, uh-huh. you know. So, I th- I think it is important to um, be tactful, I guess. Yeah, I I actually I actually had a conversation with some people on a two-hour car ride um, over the summer, and we were talking about how it's actually very hard to have those conversations because people feel so strongly about it right right it's it's as as much as you want to separate out especially if you've had experiences with overt racism and that kind of thing like especially especially at our age even i don't think it really matters what age you are the thing is is that actually like people are more likely to believe you um when you cite cite you know situations of overt racism mm-hmm. versus like uh you know more subtle things right more subtle avenues of discrimination mm-hmm. and you know i think that this carries through you know throughout everything right and this is part of the problem is that nobody is hosing black people down on the streets anymore you know right. like uh i think there's still racism against hispanic people but now it you know is like legalese stuff 
instead of you know people saying on you know television we have to kick the illegals out. <laughs> like, I think we know. we see less of that here in the Northeast than we do in the Southwest. Yeah, that's also true. Yeah, yeah, you're from there. There's so a lot of there's th- well there's like been multiple instances where um just the the common joke that runs around which I think is terrible of like oh hire hire a Mexican to do that yard work for you. Like, oh. like, like that, <laughs> wow. like that is, that's, that's, that's ignorant. That's, that's just saying that, I, I, I mean, I mean, I think that, you know, humor can be like a sort of thing that uh, people use to sort of deal with like the feeling of how unfair or how uncomfortable they feel with the fact that that is the case. Right. Right. Like, I mean. Black people tell racist jokes about black people all the time. I mean, there's this like a thing. There's there's a difference between a racist joke and like the. I'm sure the situation has happened. I don't think it's happened to me before. Where you think someone's telling a racist joke, you laugh, and they're completely dead serious about what they're saying. Oh yeah, like yeah. that's absolutely true, uh-huh. right? Um, but I mean, like I, I think that like even white people, I think tell tell these jokes sometimes because they don't really know how to broach the subject with people who right are not white right you know they don't want to sit down and be like so uh, what's it like being black because i mean honestly like that can turn into a really condescending set of questions that people somebody can yeah ask. it can turn into condescending set of questions though i did i did gain respect for one of my friends she was she was korean and we were sitting at dinner and she asked me this was like a couple weeks after the ferguson decision or something like that she asked me what i thought of it like just honestly and she just listened and she told me what she thought about it and she didn't try to comment on like my on my point of view and i thought i gained respect from her that she actually wanted to hear from me and actually genuinely listen like i feel like those are very good conversations for people to have and i kind of wish more people did that so i mean at the risk of inviting yeah fuck it what do you what did you think of ferguson <laughs> what did i think of ferguson um i think that the i think that a lot of the um stuff that happened after it also speaks for itself that it's kind of ridiculous that they couldn't get to dime it really yeah like actually like the grand the grand jury the prosecutor's job in front of the grand jury is to basically get an indictment and if you don't then something is wrong and a lot of the stuff that came out um behind that about how the prosecutor handled that um there's a lot of biased media so it's kind of hard to oh sort through wasn't it, that the uh no i'm thinking of the george zimmerman case where they tried to get they tried to get murder instead of manslaughter and then it yeah, yeah. there was that but i was thinking about the thing where i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure it was with the ferguson thing about how when she present when the or whoever him or her um, the prosecutor presented the case to the grand jury. They cited some law that was like defunct, kind I of see. thing, and it was it was not it was like it was not cool. They had the Mike Brown thing happened, and that was and that was caught on video, and yeah. that also didn't get a diamond. That's obviously not okay. And yeah. well, at least I mean, it's the Mike all, Brown thing is, yeah. in my opinion, a lot less okay. Yeah, right. Because that's true. I mean, I don't know all the facts in either yeah. situation, so I'm not going to you know presume to make some sort of judgment or feel mm-hmm. extremely strongly about like the case itself but i think that it's like you know quite sad that you know this happened in a place like ferguson which was like what is the population is like 95 percent black and then the office office the police officer population is like that same so fraction white. white yeah yeah so mm-hmm. i mean it's a place where you sort of grow up with all the baggage of being black all the policemen and law enforcement you ever see are white yeah 
all the people you ever see arrested are almost certainly black. Uh-huh. And this, you know, I think polarizes, like, the, the officers and, the, you know, the, the right. regular people. So, like, it kind of sucks that that situation grew to a head to such a point where, like, something like this happens mm-hmm. and there are riots, right? Yeah. Um, oh, and that also brings up a point that it was very significant here about all the Black Lives Matter stuff. Like, there was a lot of people here oh, yes, doing that, all that. Yeah, yeah there, was a, there was a small movement, uh, Black Lives Matter, something like that. I don't really know what prompted it, but it happened around the time of the Ferguson, yeah. the Ferguson stuff, near the beginning of the semester. Um, I don't really think that it was, like, terribly effective. And honestly, I, I don't really... I don't really appreciate the message because, like, when when you make declarations like this, you run into problems because people mm-hmm. say, like, you know, well, what about Asian people? What about Hispanic people? What about white people? <laughs> like, and then it was, and then they, they that was the um, controversy that people changed that to all lives matter, right? Yeah, and then it sort of loses this. So, like, you lose either way, right? When you when you take yeah. like, a very very strong stance like that, mm-hmm. um, and. I don't, I don't really know what the solution is, but certainly I think going around declaring that Black Lives Matter is probably not, right? Like Yeah, so, something about that also rubbed me the wrong way. It's not that I don't agree with... Yeah, the, of course I agree yeah. that black people matter. <laughs> right, right? Like, it's not that I don't agree that, like, we we need to have more of a voice. It's it's um, ridiculous that, like, the whole... It's. I, I was I was thinking about this the other day. Like, the world basically took, like, our race of people and really just demeans them with slavery with slavery and like social constructs to the point where there aren't a lot of places you can go in the world and not face a similar type of prejudice as a black person this is true yeah um i mean there are some places oh yeah yeah so some some places definitely um but because because of actions taken way long ago we we still have to we're still dealing with it now and of course we want to say that our, our our lives matter we need we need to be heard and that we are going to stand up for this injustice and it gets met it inevitably will get met with a lot of backlash i mean yeah yeah but i i i think um a particularly interesting thing i think maybe that doesn't occur to a lot of people um is that for most black people you don't really have a sort of cultural home, like, in the yeah. sense that, um, like, people talk about, oh, no, you know, like, black culture is terrible. Why do they do that, right? Uh-huh. It's because I, you don't really have anything else. Right. Right? I mean, like, my father was the child of a child of slaves, I think, mm-hmm. and we don't know where the hell they're from. Right. No no idea. Yeah, right? neither, neither do we. Uh, my great aunt did uh spend a couple years doing a lot of genealogy work trying to figure this out and i don't think she really came to a conclusion like besides um we got to my greats the third grandfather mm. um yeah i think that's i think that either greats of the third or greats of the fourth it's probably it's probably only greats of the third because my greats of the second grandmother is alive um mm. on my mom on my mom's side and so wow. yeah God damn yeah she's like 97 96 yeah she's 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 still she's still kicking so so yeah uh but yeah somewhere so there's not there's not much past that and there's census records of him in like 1865 mm. of course um but of course of course before that you don't 
you don't see anything because America did not feel that we were real people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, the thing, the thing is that you know it's sort of weird, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, you hear people talking about, especially white people, it's very interesting. And I, I, mm-hmm. I, got, I have to confess, I don't really understand uh, how that might feel. But you know, sort of being like, yeah, you know, like uh, I'm Irish, right? Mm-hmm. Or you know, I'm like uh, Italian. And I mean, like. Where I grew up, you know, they were all white people. To be. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, they didn't really seem that different. Right? Yeah, and I mean, there there is a difference, right? But sometimes that's the reaction that I have. Right. Um. So so maybe you know it's 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 a reverse kind of thing, where you know like you know white people look at black people and they say, well, they could choose to ally themselves with any other kind of culture, and it's like, no, no, you can't. Like, yeah, yeah, that's that's not really a thing. And what I what I actually just thought of was that like. The reason, one of the key reasons that I think that a lot of black people will stick together is because that's how you feel like you have a heritage and culture. Mm. Um, because a lot of a lot of black people don't know where their where their families originally came from, as opposed to if you were Chinese or something like that, you know exactly where all of your all of your family comes from in a lot in a lot of cases, or even like Italian, something, something European, right? Yeah, and um and that, and that's how you feel that that's why a lot of black neighborhoods um will like pop up and be and be um like that as cultural centers mm-hmm. for for themselves to create something so that they can feel a sense of commu- a sense of innate community that history has kind of denied us or taken away from us is probably is probably a better word but that a lot of most other cultures in the world have yeah i mean mm-hmm. um in in this weird there's also a weird sort of dynamic with people who are from africa literally they come from Africa. Yeah. Like, they grew up in Africa and uh, immigrated here sometime during their lives. Right. Right. And they identify mm-hmm. as African. Right. Right. Not African American. Yeah, whatever, exactly. What have you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, of, I think, the five black people in our house, three of them are African, right? Something like that. There's four or five. I don't remember. In the house but, currently? Yeah. I think there's four. Four black it's people. There's four. And yeah. two of them are African. Yes. Um,. And it's sort of interesting because, you know, I, I've talked to them for a while and they don't really feel any connection to, like, this identity of, like, being black at all, yeah. as it were. Um, and, and there's sort of a – that's sort of an interesting dynamic, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe a lot of African immigrants are treated a little better than, you know, people who are understood to be from America. There's sort of, uh-huh. like, that idea of industriousness because you move from yeah. you know, another place to come to the land of opportunity. Um, and I think – for people who are Africans, right, like, they can get a little annoyed when they are lumped in with, like, black people, right? And that can be, like, linked to racism, I guess, or something weird like that. But, like, I think at the same time, it can be, I think it probably yeah. is just really annoying. I, I, will, <laughs> like, I will say that the, the, the kind of sad and awkward moment this happened to be several times, um, especially since I've been in college, didn't really happen to be in high school, was that someone who's African will ask you, as an African American, where you're from? Like, where are you from in Africa? Oh wow! I do not know the answer oh, to that my question. Skin, my skin whatsoever. color is too light for that. Oh, I see. Like, where's your family from? Yes. Ooh. It's, yeah, yeah. It's it's the equivalent of asking like someone someone who's Chinese like where's your where's your family from in China like that, and they they know the answer to that. Yeah. And I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. At all. I don't know. Yeah. Like. And I mean, um, yeah. So it's kind of interesting how like the the conception of race does not really link that well to to skin color, right? 
and it's sort of interesting because people can come to perceive you or treat you of a, of a different race kind of sort of while yeah. still holding you as being part of that race like right being called white someone saying that you're acting white oh yeah yeah well yeah i'll i'll tell i'll tell this story um so most of my a lot of a lot of the people i grew up with as i said before were white they would frequently say that i was the whitest black person that they knew (laughs) that i sounded really white and that i listened to the same things that they were so it was just kind of a joke that i may as well have been like that and I I, went, I remember once telling my mom about this, and she got really annoyed. At you or the people who were calling you white? At most, at, at the people who were calling me white, and also at me, like, why do you accept that? Kind mm-hmm. of kind of thing. Because um, I think that's something that she had to kind of she had to she had to deal with as being a person who was black and being well off in L.A. Kind of thing, and. It to to I can see why with my parents because it is kind of denying you a part of your identity in a way to kind of say to kind of say that oh you're not really that you're this and yeah I don't know I think partially partially I think it was a way that people dealt with me when I was younger um, <laughs> because because I was the I was the smarty pants I in elementary school smarty pants. <laughs> Best, is that best, how you're gonna phrase it? Best way. That's probably the best way to describe it for how dirty I was. I see. Like actually. See. Um, so, so I I, I was a little Mister Smarty Pants, and I um I I was I was like that. Um, but I kind of I'm especially as I got into high school, I kind of you know got got some muscle, got a little taller, um, stopped stopped being as stopped stopped being as small and scrawny. And people were kind of confused that this person who otherwise looks like he could be physically intimidating talked like I did, kind of wore the clothes that I did, and was into the things that I was, um, like march- like marching band. Like I, never- <laughs> I was a marching band. I, I, I didn't play football. I don't think there were any black yeah. people in the marching band in my school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I had I had played football. My brother played football, um, but I I I just I just didn't do it. I didn't want to do it. And this is because I was in this really off sphere of how people would, how younger people especially, would like to put everybody they know into these buckets of stereotypes just to make classifying people easier for them when you're like, you know, a middle schooler. Um, I don't fit anywhere. (laughs) I just don't. And, um, And so people, and so people would say things like that. And this this is something that I just kind of dealt with. And I really came, I really came to start thinking about it more, um, a couple of years ago, a lot, a lot in the past, in the past year. Um, but then there have been a couple instances where I, I am like me and I'm used to being in that bucket, but then people will say that, Oh, you are, you are coming off as being really aggressive right now when I'm not really saying anything that is out of the ordinary i'm just disagreeing with them and they feel threatened just because i i i think it's a little bit racially motivated um but that's 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 me that's me conjecturing a bit right this is exactly the kind of yeah this is exactly what we were talking about earlier where you sort of like i suspect that this is probably a little bit racist but you don't really want to say it because you know there is an alibi and you could be wrong 
right? Um, how would you even prove that? Right. Whatever. Right? So you mm. just kind of, like, deal with it. Um, I mean, people made jokes about me like that when I was younger. And when I was about 10th, 11th grade in high school, I mm-hmm. decided to stop taking that shit. So I did mm-hmm. stop taking that shit. And people stopped. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was pretty much it. Like, it was not that hard, actually, to get people to stop making those jokes. I just say, you know, I don't appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Or I would act really cold the moment someone made that joke. Like, they'd make right. a joke, laugh awkwardly. I would just stare at them, and they'd be like, oh. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I feel like I'm more likely to do that kind of thing now and actually voice my disapproval of people when they say things like that um but when i was younger um I, my my solution was just to ignore it like i said i didn't really identify with the idea of being black so i kind of wanted to put it as far away from me as possible which is really sad that growing up a community does that to you <laughs> like actually um like i i feel i feel really sad for the 10 year old me who felt this strongly about it yeah like- yeah and I, I think even here, you, 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 uh, I think you go out of your way to sort of avoid acting, you know, stereotypically black. Um, I and, do. And I mean, yeah. like, people make, like, little jokes about, like, fried chicken and stuff like that. And, like, sometimes that gets really, really annoying. It does. Especially if you don't like fried chicken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, or Kool-Aid or watermelon or any of those things, right? Yeah. Um, I mean... Yeah, I think it's just another uh, another sort of vector of things that, like, you know, occasionally people make jokes about it. Maybe that's okay, but like, you go people go overboard about it or start treating it as if it were a real thing, real in quotes, and it can get frustrating. Oh yeah, most yeah. definitely. But this is definitely not a thing with an answer, right? And I think yeah. it was at least worth having this discussion. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and certainly, this is not like the full list of things that people who are black could say about being black in MIT maybe yeah. you are black and maybe you disagree with some of the stuff that we think that is pretty cool I guess um it's it's different experiences for everybody right yeah and um yeah I'm we at least I'm talking from perspective of a black person who never really grew up around a lot of black people and I think I I, I would like to think that I'm not alone um, in in that, but I do probably not. That probably there not. there are obvious there are obviously many other perspectives out there, and it's not you you don't avoid this stuff by going to a place that's that people like to kind of characterize MIT as a bubble, mm-hmm. and that everything in here is kind of this wonderland of people being smart and goofy, and it's it's it really is it's not it's there's this is a problem this is a problem that people here also face, and that MIT is doing better at addressing, but I think it's it's still it's still worth talking about. These are still issues that we have to deal with on a daily basis. Yeah, and it's kind yeah. of so I I'll end on this note. It's a little uh, frustrating. When people uh, say, sometimes people express a sort of opinion of like, ah, oh, not here. Why do people have to discuss this at MIT? This isn't the place for that. And, you know, it's sort of like, well, where is then? Yeah, the world is a place for that. Um, so, I mean, yeah. yeah, I think I'll leave it at that. We'll uh, bring in, uh, what, your friend yeah we'll we'll figure out exactly who we want to bring on for next week uh but yeah stay tuned we'll keep on going through this from a couple different perspectives and you'll get to meet a couple new voices as we explore what it's like to be a minority in a place like here yes this has been six fifths
Yep. And if you have comments, email us at sixfifths at mit.edu. And, yep. Cool. We'll get back to you eventually, probably, maybe.